Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas, and this is Life Over Coffee. The topic that I want to share with you today is an analysis of the evolution and superiority of the Christian mind. I want to talk about our minds. Our minds are all over the map. Before we became Christians, we had this former manner of life, and our minds were dark. Well, the goal after regeneration is for us to have the mind of Christ, and so what you can see there is a stark evolution or a progression of our minds as we transform. Now, this is a beautiful thing, and so I want to talk about the various mile markers along the way, from where we were to where we hope to be, how to get there, and I, I, I trust that this analysis will be uh, beneficial. It will be instructive, insightful to you as you examine where you are on the mile marker of mile markers of mental transformation. And of course, it will also be helpful as you think about your friends. We want to serve those within our sphere of influence. And so understanding where they are, because everybody's different, and so understanding them is helpful. And so I want to talk about an analysis of the evolution and superiority of the Christian mind. Now, before I do that, I did receive a note that I want to share with you from Ray. He said this, I find this ministry a wonderful resource. And I pointed many in my church and family members to the site because I believe that God is speaking in this ministry. It has enriched my life and has corrected many of my misunderstandings of sanctification. Ray, thank you so much for sharing that note with us. I do appreciate it. I'm glad to, it's good to hear uh, what God is doing through anybody's life or through a ministry's life. And when we do receive those notes, as a matter of fact, I received a second one today. I want to share it with you because it is so brief. It's it's just three words. Kimberly said this, love this ministry. And I thought that was fantastic. I don't know Kimberly. I don't know Ray. But I am thankful that, that we're able to help them in some way. And I want you to know that as well. I want you, especially our supporters, the folks who underwrite our ministry, our financial partners. Well, I want you to hear that message because you, God used you to impact Ray's life. God is using you to impact Kimberly's life as well. And I want to thank you for supporting our ministry because it is so critical. As I say often, there is no way that we can do this without you. And I know that everybody can't do what you do. And, and, and I understand that. And so I'm very appreciative that you're in a position to where you're able to support your local church, which is fantastic, but also take on this ministry as missional support uh, to help our team as we work very diligently uh, to build out these resources, to train our mastermind students, to interact with people on our forums, to write books, to speak, to, again, podcast video, etc. And so I just want to thank you. And I wanted you to hear from Ray and Kimberly and know that you have a part in that. And for that, I am grateful. For those of you who aren't in a position to support our ministry, that's 
All right. That is fantastic. We don't want you to. We want you to keep supporting your church and don't want to guilt people into supporting our ministry, only those who are able to. But one of the ways that you can support us is by praying for this ministry that God would continue to work in it to reach more Rays and more Kimberleys, and that would be great. Also, you could share these resources on your social media platforms and send these URLs to friends through texting and email. Let your pastor, other people know about the ministry. That is a great way to partner with us, and so if you would do that, I would appreciate it. All right, so I want to share with you, again, the title of this topic is An Analysis of the Evolution and Superiority of the Christian Mind. Our minds are an integral part of ourselves. The mind establishes a definitive trajectory for how we live in God's world. Did you know the Christian mind is a progression into four different ones? Uh, the goal is is to have four different minds, not at the same time, but a, a progression like those mile markers that I was talking about earlier that go up the interstate. You begin with one type of mind, then it evolves into something better, aiming for the purest kind of mind a person can have, that is the mind of Christ. What kind of mind do you have? Now, as I give you this analysis here, hopefully you will be able to, to pick out your mind. And, and also, we have this goal here. I want to talk about how getting to the ultimate aim, which is the mind of Christ. And so where are you in this progression? Are you ready to analyze the evolution of the Christian mind? When you think about your mind, what comes to mind? What kind of mind do you have? What has shaped your mind? What controls your mind? Did you know that your mind's influence is not just how God made you? Obviously, we all have a unique mind, a, an aspect of our souls that is uniquely given by God. But there are also outside influences that help shape our mind, people, worldviews, culture, our memories, life circumstances. All of these things form the content of our minds. In fact, I have a, a one-hour webinar called Human Motivations and Shaping Influences. It's a free webinar on our video page under the web webinar section love for you to spend an hour looking at it, and you will see. I, I talk about more shaping influences than what I just laid out here, and the, all of these things have impact on our minds. They influence us. That which shapes your mind also manages it. Because we are not self-reliant, independent beings. We subject our minds to these what I call external developers. They develop our minds, so to speak. Only the Lord is in independent and self-sufficient and self-sustaining enough to transcend sublunary shaping influences. He's never under the control of anything more significant than himself because there is nothing more powerful than him. 
We are the dependent ones, which leaves us vulnerable to outside influences, some of which that I mentioned. But the good news is our vulnerabilities do not leave us without hope. Because Christ is the leveler. He is the one that destroys strongholds and brings evil under his authority. But we have choices. Uh, We are not passive in this process. We can determine what type of subordinate mind we want, a mind that is subordinate to these influences, but yet God gives us power to shape our minds. There is the mind of Adam. There is the mind of Christ. Of course, there is a hybrid mind as well, which is a unique mixture of Adam and Christ. When the new believer receives the mind of Christ at regeneration, when you are born again, he does not separate from his former manner of life, which is what I'm calling a hybrid mind, a mixture between Adam and Christ. Now, the goal is, and his hope is, is that he will put off any deceitfulness that is in his mind and that he will renew his mind into something that acts like, looks like Christ. We see this in Ephesians 4. You know this passage well, I'm sure, 22 through 24. It says, it goes like this. Paul is saying, I want you Christians to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And then he says, I want you to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. You see the transformation now. You have become a Christian, but you have an old former manner of living. You have this hybrid mind. I want you to I want you to practice putting that off. Always be putting that off. And simultaneous to that, I want you to be renewing the spirit of your mind and to be putting on a new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That is the transformation from the old Adamic mind, which is the dark mind, to this hybrid mind, which is a mixture of Adam and Christ, to this We want to grow into the maturest version of the mind of Christ. So let's talk about the dark mind. In Ephesians 4, 18 and 19, it says this, They are darkened in their understanding. They have a dark mind. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. The person that is not regenerated has the mind of Adam. I'm calling a dark mind. The lights are completely off. The person is totally depraved. Total depravity means there is no nook or cranny of of mental real estate that the deceitfulness of sin has not corrupted through and through. Have you ever been in a dark room? I'm talking about a completely dark room. No light exists. I have. You cannot see your hand in front of your face. It reminds me of what the Lord explained to Moses when plaguing Egypt in Exodus 10:21. It goes like this, and the Lord said to Moses, "Stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt." Now that 
is dark. The dark mine is under a similar plague. It's a plague of felt hopelessness and felt helplessness. That is the dark mind, among these other things that Paul said in Ephesians 4, 18, and 19. And so let me give you a progression of the dark mind. Let's say that somebody stays at this mile marker and they never move forward at all. They're not born again. They can never have another kind of mind Well, the dark mind is not static. It is fluid. It will not just stay as it is now. Our minds will either become better toward Christ, the mind of Christ, or our minds will continue to deteriorate and even become darker. And so let's look at a seven-step process of what happens to the dark mind that is never born again. Step number one, as the text said, again in Ephesians 4, that they are alienated from God. Number two, this person wants to press God's truth out of their mental space. You see this in Romans 1.18 where it talks about the uh, people who suppress the truth of God out of their lives, meaning they press it out of their lives. And so if you have a dark mind, you're not a Christian, you're alienated from God. Number two, you press the truth of God out of your life. Number three, The Lord's opposition wars against this type of mental posturing because he said in 4.6 of James that God opposes the proud. He is a warring army against the proud. And so a person who is alienated from God, who presses the truth out of his mental space is a proud person. And it's so it's worse than you think. God is now a warring army against you. Number four, if the proud soul does not stop the waywardness, he spirals into unremitting and inexhaustible corruption. I would encourage you to read Romans 1, verses 18 through 32, to see that spiraling effect. Number five, eventually the Lord will remove himself from the possibility of redemption by turning the dark mind over to feed on itself. As you see in Romans 1, 24, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. God is now removing himself from the possibility of redemption. Number six, the only recourse, the only recourse when you're spiraling like this for survival's sake is to become incrementally desensitized to the antagonism of the light. You'll continue to rebuff the light. Uh, it is a self, self-surviving, self-reliant way of resisting the light because you are spiraling and now you full-blown hate the light and you will eventually become so desensitized to where now uh, the light is impervious. You are making yourself darker. This is also called a hardened conscience. You become so hard by this process that I am outlining here because the light is antagonistic to you. You will desensitize yourself to the point to where you can't feel it anymore. In Hebrews 4, 7, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Well, that is what's happening. The person is getting a hard heart. Or as we see in 1 Timothy 4, 2, their conscience becomes seared with a hot iron. 
Number seven, the dark mind is in a hopeless battle with itself that will eventually succumb to compounded corruptness that the Lord will banish to outer darkness where all hope for rescue is lost. That is the progression of a dark mind. I would love for you to take time to read this. Uh, Again, the title of this article that I'm sharing with you is An Analysis of the Evolution and Superiority of a Christian Mind. We all started right where I have been what right what I have been describing with the dark mind. But for some of us, we have stepped into the spiritual mind through regeneration. The antithetical alternative to the dark mind is the spiritual one. This mind has supplanted the mind of Adam with the mind of Christ. The last Adam defeats the first Adam. Praise God. One of the benefits of this spiritual takeover is a new mind that comes from a regenerative and transformative work of God in our lives. The Lord now is the new shaping influence. He is the potter over the jar of clay. The regenerated soul subjects his mind to the Lord. Father God begins a long and drawn-out process of restorative work as we cooperate with him, as I was sharing earlier, putting off those deceitful desires and renewing our mind and putting on the mind of Christ. Well, this is what Father God does as he draws out this process of restorative work in those who have been reborn from above. This new work is progressive sanctification, a process that incrementally unfolds into a beautiful vessel that reflects the image of Christ. Because God's work in us is progressive and incremental, His Spirit does not entirely rule the new spiritual mind. I mean, it's not like we go from total darkness to total light. The Christian's life is a mixed bag of good and bad fruit. And you see this in Galatians 5, 19 through 25, where Paul gives us these two templates, the bad fruit and the good fruit, and that is the mixture of the Christian mind. The works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And then in verse 22 of Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And so as we're putting off these bad things, this former manner of life that we have brought into our Christian experience and putting on the mind of Christ, at this juncture with the spiritual mind, it is still a hybrid mind. And you see this in James 1, verses 5 through 8, where we talk, where James talks about the double-minded person. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He's talking to Christians here who have a spiritual mind. He says, God gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. But let him ask in faith, 
with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That is the hybrid mind where we oscillate between our former manner of life uh, selves and then this new person in Christ. The battle between good and evil continues to rage in our minds after we receive our spiritual mind. Every Christian struggles with Adamic baggage. When James talked about this, he called it double-mindedness, a Christian who wavers somewhere between light and darkness. One day you're up, the next day you're down, like a leaf in the wind tossed by its whims. Two competing masters control the unstable person. You never know what you will get from the hybrid soul because you never know who is controlling their mind at this moment. And so the goal is to be steadily morphing into the person of Christ. The word morph is not referring to an outward appearance of Christ. Yeah, we can do that, but that could be dangerous if if the heart has not been transformed. And so when I'm talking about morphine, I'm talking about taking on the internal qualities of Christ. Becoming transformed into Christ is not so much about a behavioral exercise as an interchange of the mind's primary shaping influence. Every Christian wants to relinquish their control center to the person and work of Jesus Christ as illuminated, as enabled, as empowered by the Spirit of God. And the farther you go in this process, the more stable you will become. The hybrid mind will go from instability as it has just come out of darkness, and it will be drinking the milk of God's Word and then the meat of God's Word, and it will grow instability. This kind of repositioning and restructuring of the mind is counterintuitive to the independent self-reliant spirit of the Adamic person who was on that downward progression, that spiraling effect, Now, this is a different kind of mind, the spiritual mind. And so we go from the dark mind to the spiritual mind. The spiritual mind has a hybrid, as I've been describing. But again, the goal is the mind of Christ. And so we're moving from our old selves to the mind of Christ, maturing to where we are not living in both the hybrid one. Now, this need is why we have the Bible. The Bible helps this transformation process. If the Bible is not changing our minds, then we have not understood its primary purpose, which is transformation. The Bible's goal is not primarily to make us better theologians. Theology is absolutely essential. Those who study God But as we study God, the Bible's purpose is to push us beyond. It wants to help us to apply our study of God into practical day-to-day living that spreads His fame while considering others more significant than ourselves. We are in Philippians 2 now, where we esteem others more than ourselves. That is the mind of Christ, and that is one of the ways that you will know that you have acquired it and you are maturing into a deeper expression of it. Suppose you have the mind of Christ at salvation. That's when you get it. And you're regularly transforming into his mind. Now we're talking about sanctification. Well, you will have a 
a significant amount. If you are regularly transforming, you will have a significant amount of spirit-illuminated, spirit-empowered, other-centered awareness. Again, this is one of the indicators to know that you are maturing into the mind of Christ because in Philippians 2, that's what Paul was talking about. That's one of the indicators. You count others more significant than yourself, which is completely opposite from the mind of Adam, the the dark mind, the Adamic mind. Let me give you an illustration of this. It would be Jesus himself. He was regularly dissecting and discerning others to figure out what kind of interests they had and how he could meet those interests. Again, that's what Philippians is teaching us. Count others' interests more significant. And that is a mature mind of Christ where you are regularly trying to dissect and discern to figure out what kind of interest this person has so that I can help them to mature into greater Christ-likeness. Jesus was constantly surveilling his sphere of influence, and it positioned him to move those people toward greater Christ-likeness. The word interest in Philippians 2.4, it carries the idea of fill in the blank because it's such a general word. And so it's kind of like fill in the blank. It means you should know others so well that you can place in any interest in that space. It's an interest that would serve them in becoming more like Christ. That is the interest that you want to help them to grow into. You want to, you want to consider what their interest is greater than your own. And you do this as a student of God and others. When your mind becomes so saturated with the interest of God and the interest of others, you will have the mind of Christ. Those were the two things that Christ was most interested in, the mind of his Father and the mind of others. By the way, this ties into the two great commandments in Matthew 22, love God and love others. Now, in order to progress like this, we need others to have the mind of Christ. We need them for two reasons. One, so that we can serve them, love God and love others, and because we cannot have victory over our Adamic tendencies, the things that tempt us if we are operating outside of the body of Christ. One of the Adamic deceptions is to value isolation over community. People who struggle the most are the most isolated from others. And the more they struggle, is counterproductive, but the more that they struggle, the more they are tempted to isolate. Adam would withdraw the more that he struggled. When he sinned, his first action was to distance himself from God and distance himself from help. If you want the mind of Christ to be your mental default, then you must bury yourself in the lives of other people. And I'm not talking about your favorite social media platform. It would be best if you had a place to be Jesus to others, where you look at their interest and you consider their interest as more important than yours, and you use that as an opportunity to dissect and discern so that you can help them transform into greater Christ-likeness. Well, that is how you will continue to mature in the mind of Christ.
And so we need a place to be Jesus for others. And the community will also guard us from falling back into those Adamic tendencies. John Piper said it this way, Lord, work so deeply in my heart that I'm freed from the bondage of self-centeredness and given the disposition to look not only to my own interest, but also to the interest of others. And so the question is, what kind of mind do you have? If you have not been born again, then you, well, you have the mind of Adam. That is a dark mind. If you have been born twice, you have been born again, you've been regenerated, then you have a combination of Adam's mind and the mind of Christ. To determine how you rank on this hybrid scale, then it would be helpful to analyze your unselfish versus selfish mind war that we all have. And so I have some questions here at the bottom of this article, and I would love for you to take a look at them. There are six of them all together, and it would help you to talk through these with a friend. I'll share a couple of them with you now. The first question is, has the Lord regenerated you? That's an essential question. If you are not a Christian and would like to become one, then I would encourage you to come to us. Just uh, shoot us an email and say, I would like to become a Christian. I don't know how. And let's start that process. I would love for you to learn how. Number two, how is the Bible changing you? Now, that's a, a very practical question that you want to think about. Maybe you can look at where you were, where you are, and where you need to be, and how the Bible can help you in that process. Number three, what is the number one hindrance that stunts your growth in Christ? Number four, what are you doing to remove this hindrance? Number five, how aware are your friends of this hindrance and how are they serving you? The title of this article I just shared with you is An Analysis of the Evolution and the Superiority of the Christian Mind. I would Appreciate it if you would take this and share it with a friend. Take the article. You can print it out. There's a print button at the bottom of the article. Mark it up. Send the link to a friend and say, hey, let's get together and talk about this. This is a very interesting article, and I want to discuss it with you. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.